little did I know that all that sacrifice of, you know, going to school part-time, working full-time, going to school at night, I didn't have a life for four and a half years pursuing this MBA because I thought that it would ultimately take me to that ultimate goal that I had in my head. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I have created from the lessons I've learned from more than 480 guests. It's time you start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guests, Mabel Nunez. Mabel, are you ready to join the mission? I'm ready. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited also to learn more about you and your story and the value you bring to the world. Well, let me introduce you to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Mabel Nunez is the founder and chief education officer at Girls on the Money, a stock market investing education company targeted to women, minorities, and individuals underrepresented in the world of finance and investing. Mabel teaches highly rated courses centered on stock market investing and is the author of two best-selling books. Through all of her resources and social media, she shares what she has learned and continues to learn. Since starting her journey, investing journey back in 2008, Mabel holds a Bachelor of Science and an MBA in finance. However, the vast majority of what she's learned about investing came from her experience. You can find her at girlsonthemoney.com. Mabel, take a minute and tell us a bit about the value that you bring to this world. Hey, Andrew, thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. So thank you for having me. I would say, well, the main mission of my business, Girls on the Money, is to teach investing mostly to women, but also, you know, minorities or people that are underrepresented in the world of the stock market that aren't really exposed to it from a young age, which was my case. So my main mission with everything that I teach is to make it as simple as possible. Sometimes I feel like when people approach the stock market, they feel it's overly complicated or they, they need a financial advisor or somebody to you know, do it for them or guide them through it. But I feel that investing is something that anybody can learn to do. It's a skill that anybody can learn on their own. Obviously, it takes time, like anything else that's worth it in life. So what I do is I simplify investing concepts, investing strategies to the point that people feel more confident and excited to start investing because they finally get it. And they say, oh, why wasn't I doing this in the first place? So that is, I think that's one of the main values I bring to the world is simplifying how investing works and how to do it successfully as well. Mm. And, you know, I'm curious, like, what's the main roadblock for people? I mean, I like what you said, people that are also just, you know, I mean, my parents never, ever, ever talked about the stock market or stocks. I knew nothing about any of that. And my parents didn't really know much about it either. I'm just curious, like, what's the main stopping point for most of your students and people who follow you and, and that you help? Is it, you know, I, I got to learn something or they're just paralyzed. They just don't want to take action. Or what, what is it that you would say is the main stopping point that you help them get past? 
I honestly think it's fear of the unknown. They don't know exactly how investing works. Like I would, I would say that most people do have the money. You don't have to have a million dollars or thousands of dollars to start investing. So most people do have the money to start, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, whatever it is. But I feel that fear from thinking that investing is overly complicated and they don't even want to take that first step because they don't want to make a mistake. They don't even know where to start. So I think that's a major roadblock. And the reason I say that is because that was me back in the days when I started my investing journey. I I finished a, a degree in finance for my undergrad and I wanted to start investing. But even with a degree in finance, I was still completely clueless about how to like enter that world. So I put myself in those shoes and that was me. So I completely understand why people are fearful. And that's the barrier that I try to break with you know the courses and resources that I bring to the table. That's exciting. So for the listeners out there, then, you know, I think it's a great lesson. You know, we get some blocks, but truthfully, nowadays, it's just so much simpler. I think when I when I first got out of MBA, it was hard. You know, there weren't really index funds and, you know, okay, you had to build a portfolio of stocks and that's not always easy for everybody. So, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot better. And last thing I would just say too, is that, you know, and I think we may hear a little bit more about this, but it's funny because, you know, you said you studied an MBA, but you didn't really learn that. And it's just so funny about education. You know, it's like we don't learn practical things. We get mm-hmm. some knowledge, but we don't learn practical things oftentimes. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Well, Andrew, I love this question. And when I first saw the title of your podcast, the first thing I thought about was my worst stock investment ever. But then, you know, as we discussed what your podcast is all about, I just remembered, you know, a different story that doesn't really have to do with stock investing. It has to do with like my career and, and my education. So after I graduated from undergrad, I was 21 years old and graduated in finance. So everybody in my circle of friends was talking about, oh, what's the next step? Like the next step is an MBA or, you know, working in Wall Street or getting all these fancy jobs. So I got really hyped up around the idea of, yeah, I want to get my MBA too. And that sounds so great and looks luxurious or whatever. (laughs) So fast forward when I turned 26, you know, I, I took a few years off just to work and stuff like that between undergrad and graduate school. So when I was like around 26, I decided, okay, I want to start pursuing this MBA thing. So I went to take the GMAT. I did horribly. GMAT is like a standardized test here in the US, like the SATs kind of thing. So I did horribly. So I paid for this expensive course to teach me how to master the GMAT, which honestly didn't really help (laughs) at all. But anyways, I was able to get into a really good MBA school here in New York City. And I was very excited about, okay, I'm going to get this MBA and I'm going to get this fancy job in Wall Street and it's all going to be amazing and I'm going to accomplish that goal. But, um, you know, little did I know that all that sacrifice of, you know, going to school part time, working full time, going to school at night. I didn't have a life for four and a half years pursuing this MBA because I thought that it would ultimately take me to that ultimate goal that I had in my head. Then I graduated with a degree and I realized that throughout those four and a half years, I didn't, I wasn't doing anything else but going to school. I wasn't making connections with people in the field where I wanted to work. As a Latina, I am Dominican. That's my background. You know, I'm a woman and you don't see the people that look like me in Wall Street. Like I'm not, you know, a Caucasian man or I don't have any like 
connections in that world. So I it just it was just a wake up call for me when I graduated with my MBA and I realized how is this going to happen for me? Like, and I don't want to say it was my worst investment, but I was thinking like, what was the point of going through all that sacrifice and ultimately not getting to the goal that I have pictured for myself at the beginning, you know, four years before. Mm-hmm. So I would say that is, that is a story that came to mind when you, you know, when we discussed your podcast and, and you asked me that question. And when you think about the amount of money that you spent for MBA and the GMAT and all that, you know, was it a sizable amount for what you were doing in your life and what you had? I'm assuming that from an investment perspective, it was some, you know, serious money. Yes. Great point. So that's another thing that like you, like the first thing that comes to mind is the time spent, but you're correct. There's also money spent. So when I started the MBA, the employer where I was working was reimbursing me for the courses, but I transitioned into a different job halfway through the MBA and that new job didn't cover the MBA classes. So I ended up paying for like half of the degree, which was just to give you an idea, it was about $3,000 per course, I would say. And those MBA classes have like, I don't know, 40 credits. I don't even want to remember, <laughs> to be honest with you. So honestly, yeah, when I think back and thankfully, um, you know, I'm really good with saving money and investing in all of that stuff to the point where I wasn't putting myself in a financial, like how you call it, like disaster. But I still say, wow, I could have used that money for something else completely different that would have been more beneficial in my life than, you know, just having a diploma that I'm going to hang in my wall. And I just took a different path in my life anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Time, money spent, having no life for four and a half years, because, you know, like I said before, I was working full time and just going to school at night and just just having that dream in my head, like, oh, it's going to happen. And I wasn't doing anything you know, to make it happen besides mm. going to class. So, so yep. that, was the, that was the thing. Yeah. So how would you describe the lessons that you learned from this experience? So I guess a lot of lessons, I guess one lesson would be, I guess the practical thing I would say is if that is your, like whatever degree you're studying, if you have an ultimate goal of working in a specific field, like for me it was Wall Street and investment bank, maybe I should have taken the time while I was a student to make connections in that field. Because even if I'm, a, even if I don't look like the typical Wall Street person, maybe I would have, you know, the connections that I would have made will have helped me, you know, get into the door somehow or, you know, some way, but I didn't really take the time to join groups or different activities at my graduate program that will have helped me make those connections. Uh, so that is, that was one huge lesson because I was very laser focused on, oh, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to do good in my classes. And that's about it, which that doesn't really do much. I'm sure people that have gone to college know that one of the most important factors of, of going to school to school is connections that you make and people that you meet because everything in life is pretty much connections. I would think that most people that are listening to your podcast would say that whatever job they're doing right now, somehow, some way it was obtained through some type of connection. I'm sure there's, you know, obviously there's people out there that just put their, their resume online and got a call, but that's not really like the norm I would say. So definitely that was a huge lesson for me. And also I would say that that God always has better plans. So while my goal initially was to, you know, maybe work in a field where I was making the rich richer, I ended up pursuing a business where I'm helping people, I'm educating people that don't have the opportunity to learn about investing, to learn about it and also grow their wealth and, you know, kind of like take them out of 
you know, financial struggles or poverty or like kind of help them break a generational cycle of like living paycheck to paycheck and never investing. So thankfully things worked out in a way where I'm actually helping the world as opposed to just working in a field where I'm just making rich people richer. So, <laughs> always, <laughs> so God always has a better plan at the end of the day, even though I have to be honest, when I graduated with a degree and I, I realized like, wow, like how am I going to get that job that I was thinking of getting? Like I didn't have a job offer waiting for me. Like a lot of MBA students say, oh yeah, you know, I graduated now. Like, you know, Goldman Sachs is waiting for me or Chase is waiting for me. I didn't have any of that. I was just like, okay, now I have all this debt from this MBA. I have like, what am I going to do with my life now? <laughs> you know, you know, and people expecting you, you know, you know, you like, you, gra- you graduate with this fancy degree and people, you know, are asking you like, so what's next? Like, you know, and I didn't have an answer. So. Okay. Maybe I'll share a few things I take away. You know, you were talking about connections. And now that I've gotten older, I like to change the the word connections to friendships. Mm, Yeah. And because, you know, my best connections over the years have really become some of my best friends. And, And we like to help our friends. We like to help people in general, you know. And so building those connections, I didn't really focus much on that myself. And I came to Thailand. I had no connection. Ground zero. No money yeah. in my pocket. Wow. You know, I'm very, I had $2,000 in my pocket. That was it. And I had $20,000 of student loan debt. I had my, my education. I had a job teaching finance, which was an 80% pay cut from my job at Pepsi in Los Angeles. Wow. So, but then I just started to make friends. Mm. So I think I, for the listeners out there, I want you to think about the, you know, don't get overwhelmed with the concept of connection. You know, you got to be connected. It's really about making friendships. And if you're a friendly person and you're making those friendships, then, you know, that's valuable. Now, the second thing I take away and I want to mention about is, you know, becoming a chartered financial analyst. And CFA is something that I pursued pretty soon after getting into the world of finance because I could see it was it's a pretty clear curriculum about, you know, what I need to know to be a good analyst or a fund manager or something like that. And many regulators around the world, you know, will consider the CFA level one, level two, level three as a, that you've met some requirements that you don't have to go through other hoops to become a fund manager or an analyst or something like that. But even more important about CFA is the relationships you build. And so I ended up volunteering with CFA and I, if you had come to me when you were thinking about this, and I think for the listeners out there, when you're thinking about it, If you really think I want to work on Wall Street or I want to work in finance, go directly to CFA Society in your community and even just call them up and say, can I attend the next event? I'm not even a member or anything. And they're going to say, absolutely. And now we've actually written into the charters in many of the societies that non-CFA charter holders can join as members. And then you can go to everything. So that's one thing that really started to come to my mind and said, For those people that really want to enter that world, CFA is a direct channel. And I just highlight one other thing. I, in my course, the Valuation Masterclass, basically I use my CFA relationships, friendships around the world to help my students get jobs in New York City, in, you know, Beijing, in Hong Kong, in Singapore. And so I try to help my students get those jobs using my connection to then say, hey, this student has made it through the boot camp. 
you should consider them. And in some cases, I have corporate sponsors. So I think we can talk more about that because I have a women in valuation scholarship that may be interesting. We can talk some more about later. The last thing I'd say is that, you know, you may say, uh, well, I didn't see people in Wall Street that look like me. But, you know, what's a bumbling fool like me going to sound like when I go to South America or Mexico or I go to Spain? And I try to understand the stocks and the investment opportunities there when I don't even understand the language, I don't understand the culture, and I'm you know, struggling to figure it out. And what a competitive advantage you may have having you know, the language skills and understand the culture there. So even when you see that a face may not look like yours, the fact is they may need your value. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's some of the things I would take away. Anything you would add to that? No, I just want to say that I love what you said, and I wish I would have come across someone like you when I was trying to decide, oh, is the MBA the right path? Because the truth of the matter is I didn't have anybody in my life, like in terms of like family member or close friend or anything that had done an MBA before. And that was like, it was something that I decided to do because, you know, people that I knew were pursuing it. So I didn't really have like a mentor of sorts to tell me, hey, like if your goal is Wall Street and investment banking, maybe this is a better path. You know, so I appreciate what you're doing in terms of telling people this type of thing, you know, kind of guiding them or telling them, oh, hey, maybe consider this instead. Because like for me, I was very set in my ways, like, oh, the MBA is the way to go. And that's about it. And yeah, little did I know, like, no, (laughs) there were other pathways. So I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for specifying that and and giving out that information, because I didn't didn't have that when I started to pursue that path back in those days. So. Now you, can, now you can understand my mission, and you're part yeah. of it, and that is how do we reduce risk? And risk could be stock market risk, but it also could be you know, risk of time, of energy, of career. So based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Wow. I would say find, find a mentor <laughs> like you or like mm. anybody that they know that have gone through that before or, or has more experience than, than they do in pursuing a certain career path. Don't just blindly listen to people that don't really know what they're talking about. Like find somebody that you trust and that have maybe has gone through that or, or understands it or, or can give you some valuable advice because I feel that could save you a lot of time, money, and everything else. It could just take you straight to where you need to go as opposed to just like wandering the world, trying to like, throw spaghetti in the wall and see what sticks kind of thing. So (laughs) I would say finding a a mentor, somebody that they can trust to that knows more than them in that field to guide them. That's extremely important based on what you just mentioned. Great advice. So what's a resource you'd recommend for our listeners? Wow. (laughs) So I guess a resource, like I just, you mentioned earlier, like I've written two books in investing specifically for beginners so if anybody in your audience is interested in learning the basics of the stock market or stock analysis and stuff like that, my books are on Amazon. So under my name, Maywa Nunez, they'll both come up. In terms of that, I will say those will be my resources that I, you know, that I will personally yep. <laughs> mention because I wrote them. But um, besides that, I mean, you seem to be an amazing resource in terms of like offering great advice and mentorship in this field. And I would say I listen to a lot of podcasts. So besides your podcast, which is amazing, I started listening recently. I'm also a big fan of the Motley Fool podcast. I don't know yep. if you're familiar with Excellent. them. Yep. Yeah. So I list, I've Great listened resources. to them for like 10 years, to be honest, like market foolery. I, I think I started listening from where they first started. And, mm. and that's 
my go-to. It's been my go-to for like a decade. <laughs> so I would say that's the only other great resource. Fantastic. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Wow. All right. So uh, here we are at the end of the year. So one year from yeah. now. Yeah. Oh my God. So I have a goal. So I'm I'm very active on social media. I have a, you know, on Facebook, Instagram and stuff like that. And and something that I, I've noticed about myself is that I'm very behind the scenes. I'm not really like on video a lot. You know, when you follow people on Instagram and stuff, you also, you see them, you know, making videos and stories and stuff like that. And, and, and I, I pretty much have shied away from that. Mm. So one of my goals, which I've been thinking about for like this whole year is being more active in terms of showing my face more often on social media, just so that to make a stronger connection or, or build a, a stronger friendship, like you said, with my audience. Yep. So that's something that I definitely want to do. I'm also bilingual, so I speak Spanish fluently and I want to, I'm in the process of translating both of my books into Spanish. So I'm, I've almost done with the first one. I, I have an editor going through it. So hopefully by next year, that first book is done, fully translated, and then I'll work on the second one. So that's another big goal that I have Fantastic. for the next year. Yep. Fantastic. <laughs> well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Mabel, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Wow. No, to like take Take risk because that's how you get ahead in life, but just make sure they're calculated risk. Just make, <laughs> just be cautious of things, but it's, you know, that's how you get ahead. Just, you know, taking risks. So you have Fantastic. to do it. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is about one guest, one story, one mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you on the upside.